stoked to be back with you guys uh, tonight. It's been, uh, I think it's been two weeks. Yeah, it has. Uh, two weeks. I feel like it's been a long time since I've looked at this crowd. But um, excited to be back tonight, and uh, I guess you know, great time of worship. And I just praise God for the fact that yeah, you can go away and uh, come back, and things still run smooth. Things still working here at the Bible study, and uh, that means that God has done great things. And so uh, I'm just excited and stoked to be back with you, family. Um, it was in New York uh, the first week there, and um, yeah, seven days I was back there doing work for Harvest Crusades, and uh, it was good times. I met with a lot of pastors, goofed off, you know, hung out in Manhattan, and you know, did the whole thing. So that was good times. And then last week I was over at Calvary Chapel, Marina Valley, and I was teaching their youth there. Um, doing a G3 training session. Um, if you don't know what G3 is, it stands for Gideon's 300. And it's where we go into a youth group and we teach them how to share their faith on the streets. Uh, we take them right out there, yeah, right there on the streets and show them how. And they actually have a street witnessing team happening there at uh, Calvary Chapel Marina Valley. But they wanted to come in and be refreshed. And so I got to bring uh, the G3 book and just kind of teach through it and help them to understand uh, exactly uh, what it means to start a conversation with someone and bring them uh, into an opportunity of receiving Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a great manual. If you don't have one, you should pick one up. Um, they're only like, I think, 8 bucks, 10 bucks, um, something like that. And it, it, it systematically shows you how to start a conversation, you know, how to keep the conversation going, um, how to present the gospel in a clear manner, and then uh, how to give somebody an opportunity to receive Jesus, and how to defend the faith. I mean, it's something that we all need to be doing, right? I mean, isn't that what we're called to? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. We've got to be doing that. We have to be making disciples of all men. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we've got to be furthering the kingdom. I really like that. I like thinking about that. Um, you're not just here tonight to further the kingdom within your own life, but I hope when you walk out of this shop that you'd be ministering and furthering the kingdom wherever you go with whoever you come in contact with. Christians are called to love. Christians are called to further the message of Jesus Christ. Christians are called to go outside their Christian bubble at church and minister and love on and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. Yeah, it's true. Hey, not like some crazy out there on the street screaming at people. Ain't about that. But hey, there is opportunities to stand there and talk to people on the streets. Absolutely. And I love doing it. Uh, we've been on the streets for, geez, eight years, I guess it's been. Maybe seven years or so, just ministering to people wherever we go. But I used to go out three times a week and just minister to people on the streets. Just talk to them about Jesus and see what happened. Um, and that brings me uh, to something that's actually going on. Um, that we're going to start doing. Um, I was talking to Jay about it just a few minutes ago and um, thinking about going down um, to the beach in certain areas and really just setting up a booth, a table, maybe with a sign that says, you know, uh, you have questions about God. Does God exist? Um, You know, question answer time, a great opportunity. And set up a microphone for people. Yeah. And there's two microphones and they can just come up and and we we have a panel of people. Ask anything you want. You want to talk about science? You want to talk about whether or not the Bible is uh, the Word of God? You want to talk about whether or not Christianity is the true religion? 
uh, bring all of your philosophy and your questions. Because, hey, if we have the truth, we should have answers, shouldn't we? Um, that's why I love going on the college campuses and just challenging the professors, challenging the college campuses. Like, bring your questions, bring what you have, and we will answer them because we have the truth. And uh, a lot of Christians are scared to sit in a classroom. A lot of Christians are scared to stand up for what they believe. You want to know why? Because you don't know why you believe what you believe. You believe because your mommy told you. You believe because your pastor said so. That's not a good reason to believe. You believe something because it is the truth. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Nothing else will set you free. Not your family. Not your professor. Not anyone. Only the truth will set you free. And so that's what we're coming to do is proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. And so we'll be down there at the beach. Hey, Jay, why don't you come up? Um, We've got a little bit of time. Um, Jay, why don't you come and tell us about what's going on on Monday nights? And uh, maybe you can invite the group out just uh, to the work that's happening there. If you haven't heard about it already, let's welcome Jason Martin. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, guys. How you doing? Um, yeah, Monday nights, just uh, we're, in our, we're in our 15th week now. And uh, basically what we're doing is we're, uh, we're teaching uh, systematically ap- uh, Christian apologetics. Um, we're giving you guys a good foundation. We're not we're not going really in depth, but what we're doing is we're giving you a good, solid foundation of uh, how to defend your faith, uh, why we believe what we believe as Christians, um, why it is the truth. Uh, there are good reasons, uh, and and uh, you know, uh, good. There's a good foundation for the faith that we have, and we as Christians ought to know it. Not only should we know it, it's a biblical command. Um, you know the Bible is is definitely replete with examples of the of the apostles, the disciples out in the public square defending their faith in uh, in view of everybody to see. In fact, if you're not aware of it, the um, the entire New Testament is an apologetic document. It's giving reasons as to why you should be a Christian because it's true. So we as Christians ought to know these things. It's a biblical command from God. First Peter three fifteen tells us. Um, that uh, to, to be ready always to have uh, an answer uh, for the hope that's in you, um, but do this with gentleness and meekness and fear and, and tact and love. So um, that's what we're uh, hoping to train you guys to do on Monday nights. Anybody's welcome to come. Uh, it starts at 7 o'clock. Uh, we're having it in a brand new location. If anybody's interested, please come and talk to me um, or email me. Uh, that'd be better. Uh, my email is uh, defendersoftruth at hotmail.com. If anybody's interested, that's defendersoftruth at hotmail.com. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, we're just finishing up evolution. Uh, we're going to go into Jehovah's Witnesses, and then we'll be talking about Mormonism after that. Um, and we'll actually, on, on Saturdays as well, uh, we're, we're going out street witnessing, um, street evangelism. So if, uh, if you guys are interested in learning how to defend your faith out on the streets and things like that, that's what we're going to be doing, including uh, what Josh had talked about, going out to the beach, uh, setting up a table, and uh, evangelizing to people in the open air, just uh, um, you know, preaching to those walking by on the streets, uh, preaching the truth of the gospel. So um, I'd encourage you guys, uh, please, you know, come out, um, check it out, and uh, you know, it's it's important. These things are very important. Amen. 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 Yeah, I, uh, I strongly encourage you guys to uh, to at least check it out. At least see if it's something that you might uh, want to do. I mean, if you have the time, if you're not doing anything on Monday nights, if you're just sitting at home watching TV, hello, 
hello, you know, it's like, what a great opportunity um, to establish your faith and uh, really know why you believe what you believe. Gosh, you know, it's just, it just bums me out. You know, it's, I, I, me and Jade love to do that as well. Like when we're out on the streets and, or maybe we're in public and someone tries to uh, witness to us, oh man, we just hammer them. You know, it's just like, oh, so, uh, so explain to me, how does God exist? I mean, it's like, there's nothing even there. It's like, he's not real. It's like, have you ever seen him? Oh, you haven't seen him. Oh, me neither. Um, so why would you even believe in God? And why do you believe this Christianity thing to be true? I mean, it's so lame, bunch of rules and regulations. Who would ever go for that? I mean, that's what, are you like into that Christian thing or something? You know, just, just totally just rail them, you know? Why? Because we want to challenge them. We want to, to stir their faith. And then, of course, at the end of the conversation, man, we turn around and say, hey, we're Christians. We love God. And we have the answers. And we're going to tell you the answers right now. And we encourage them and build them up, pray for them. Because that's what Christians are called to do. We're not these wimpy people walking around in the earth who don't know, who aren't um, educated. That's just sad. Uh, it really is. It's, it's a reasonable faith. And the reason why we believe what we believe is because it is the most reasonable it does take faith, absolutely. Everything that you believe takes faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so, while there is a faith side to it, it's, you should have a reasonable faith. Um, and so you should know why you believe what you believe. So please, I encourage you guys, Defenders of Truth at Hotmail.com. Uh, defenders with an S at Hotmail.com. If you want to contact Jay on that. Um, another thing, we have the prayer request list um, right here. And if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. You know, there's a lot of things going on in life. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We got things that need to be prayed for. So please write, write it down in here and let us pray for you all week long. Let God uh, intervene and do great things in your life. Huh? We got great opportunity um, to minister to one another in prayer. There's nothing like prayer. You know that? You know what prayer does to your heart? It creates a burden for people. A lot of Christians walk around with no burden to share the truth about Christ. It's like, yeah, I really want to share Christ, but you know what? I just don't care. Um, there's just not enough motivation within me to step out and share the truth. And the truth is, the majority of Christians don't have enough burden on their heart to step out and share the truth, do they? Because they don't share. The statistic is incredible. Something over like 70, 80, maybe the uh, top 80 percentile of Christians have never led anyone to Jesus Christ. Huh? Isn't that what Christians do? We share the truth, we minister to people. I wonder what the statistic is, not leading someone to Christ, but just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone. Planting seed. Why doesn't that happen? Why isn't the Christian church doing it? Want to know why? There is no burden. There's no burden for the people. How do you get a burden for the people? You pray for them. You ever done that? You got to ask yourself how much you're praying for the people. That's probably why you don't have a burden for the people. When someone comes up and asks me to pray for them, I can't help but be burdened for them after I'm done praying. My heart breaks. And the more and more I minister, the more my heart breaks for them and the more that I want people to know the truth. I've got to stand for this. I just got asked to do another speaking engagement. Um, in a couple weeks, it's a midweek thing, and I was just like thinking to myself as the email came, I'm like, man, I just speak too much. I don't want to do this. And I was about to shoot the email, like, you know, I'm just too busy. When I wasn't busy, I just didn't want to go and do the engagement. Um, and then the burden just came on my heart. It's like, what are you thinking? You have the opportunity to proclaim the truth of these people. How could you pass that up? It's like, it's right, Lord. I've got to tell them about you. 
I got to make the sand. I got to go for it. It's not about what I want in this life. It's about laying my life down for Jesus Christ, furthering his kingdom, his gospel, and his truth. And I would encourage you to start praying for people, asking them how you can pray for them. Watch the burden grow in your heart. And encourage you in your classroom as you're sitting next to that person to start praying for them. Let God reveal to you the, the problems that are going on in their lives at home. You start to pray for them. I just read in the newspaper today, I think it was, uh, was I think, I don't know, Chad was reading it to me today. He said that there is a dad who came into the house and tried to kill his whole family. And uh, he killed the mother and he killed um, his daughter, I think. And then as the child, his, his 13-year-old boy uh, was running out the garage, he, he fired a shot at him, but the boy tripped and fell over his bike and didn't get shot, and then ran out the garage, and the man turned around and killed himself. What is going on? And we will go around in our day. It's amazing how self-centered we are. That we can hear things like that and just continue on. Uh, Chad was saying as he was reading the paper, he couldn't help but stop and pray right there as he was reading. Like, God, please, Jesus, he said this. He said he prayed, please, God, be the father for that boy. Because he doesn't have a family anymore. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the burden that we are to carry day in and day out. We've got to change. It takes effort to change. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Lay your life down for Christ. We have a great opportunity to do that tonight as you take in the word. Amen? Let us pray for you, please. Take advantage of the ProQuest list. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this group. And I thank you that we've come into this place to receive your truth. Open our eyes, Father. We have not come here to do same old tonight. We've come here to receive your truth. And so speak to us through Jeremiah 28. Open our eyes. We need your spirit to speak to us. We need you, God, to do a great work. We've come to hear. So him who has ears, let him hear what the spirit would say to this church. Open their eyes again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Jeremiah chapter 28. So you guys have been in good company, huh? Aaron Stevens last week. Huh? Wasn't that great? I haven't got to listen to the message yet, but I'm looking forward to it. You know what I love about Aaron? I'll just be honest, because I've told him myself. Aaron is straight from the hood, man. He's got an afro, okay? And that's tight. All right? I wish I had an afro. I, can't, I don't. I'm, look, I'm going bald, okay? So I wear a hat. So I try to look cool, you know, like with, even though I'm going bald. Aaron straight, look, look, the truth is, I just love the character that comes forth. I just love the realness of himself that comes forth. Hey, God doesn't ask you to change your personality when you come to Jesus. You get to just be who you are. But yes, he causes you to, he asks you to change your direction in life, the way that you're living. Absolutely. But hey, if you're a surfer, you don't have to stop being a surfer because you came to Jesus. If you're from the hood, how can you stop being from the hood when you come to Jesus, man? It's amazing how we will, listen, it's amazing how we Christians will go to other societies in the world. We'll walk into a tribe in Africa and tell and sell them Jesus. After we sell them Jesus, we tell them this is what you need to do on Sunday morning. 
why Sunday morning? Well, you need to do it on Sunday morning because this is the way we've always done it. And on Sunday morning, you need to do, you need to open with a prayer. Then you need to have two worship songs. Then you need to have announcements. Then you have three more worship songs. And then we'll go into a 45-minute message and you'll teach from the Bible. And after you're done with that, then you go home. Well, who says so? Why is that the way? It's amazing how we try to put people in these Christian uh, templates. Say, when you come to Jesus, you've got to dress this way. When you come to Jesus, you've got to look this way. No, you don't. You've got to wear a suit and tie to church on Sunday morning. Well, who said that? Who made that up? Well, you want to look good for Jesus. I had a homeless guy tell me, I'm like, man, you need to be in church on Sunday. No, I can't go. I don't have any nice clothes to wear. What? Who told you that? You see, it's an amazing thing that my buddy Reynolds is doing. Matt Reynolds, back in Georgia. He's ministering to the Muslims. But he tells them, you don't have to change your culture. You don't have to change who you are. You see, the Muslim faith is not only a religion, but it is a culture, just like the Jewish faith. You notice that? Jews are Jews. Does that mean you're religious? No, they're a Jew. They do what they do. They keep Shabbat, even though they're not religious. It's amazing. Muslims, the same way. You know when their church is? Friday. If they want to worship on Friday, why not? Well, you can't do that. You, we worship on Sunday. Well, why? Well, because that's when the early church started. You know, we've got to do tradition. Tradition. According to who? The scriptures are the authority and the truth. We are not to fit people into a Christian bubble and make them act a certain way unless it's Jesus, unless it's the commands of the Lord, which we can fit them through the word. But we aren't to be making up rules and regulations like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the rabbis of this day. No. Jeremiah was one that did, hey, the opposite of the norm, that's for sure. Remember this prophet? He's crazy. Made a stand for God. He was scared, though. Chapter 1 tells us that he did not want to speak because he was young. You ever been there? You're young. You feel like you don't know what to say. I can't say anything. What are you talking about? Jesus, God said to him there in chapter 1, you're a prophet to my nation. I've set you apart since the day that you were born. Before you were even born, I had anointed you, set you apart, prepared you. And he said, you will not be be scared of their faces, for I will give you the words to speak, and you will be a prophet unto my nation. You'll be a prophet to the nations. How many people came to Jesus? How many people came to God when Jeremiah preached the word? Zero. Not even one. No one repented. Interesting. How many years did he preach? 42 years. 42 years. And he stays consistent. Powerful. It's power, isn't it? If I was to let you know or God let you know that even though you speak the truth to people every day for the rest of your life, no one will ever turn to Christ that you speak to Would that discourage you? Maybe. What if God says to you, I have not called you to do that. 
I've called you to preach my truth. And they will now be held accountable because of the truth that you have spoken to them. That's what you're called to. You're called to plant a seed. You're called to minister. And hey, even though in Jeremiah's time they did not turn to God, hey, many would in the future. God has called him to do great things, even if it's not big in the eyes of people. Do you hear that? Family, you hear that tonight? You think that the more that you do on the outside, the bigger the reward in heaven. God says, hey, and Samuel, I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. And that's what he's looking at. And you know what? There's a brother, man, that just ministered to my heart. We're about to jump in the text. I just want to say this one thing. <sighs> just this last Saturday, man, just blew my face off again. Doesn't talk much, but when he does, it's like the actual words of God pour from his mouth. The most meek, humble spirit. And he spoke, everybody was saying stuff, everybody was sharing. I said, I know you have a word for us, what's the word? He opens his mouth and starts to pour. And powerful things come forth. Not the fruit, most fruitful guy you've ever seen, he's not loud like me, he's not obnoxious and, and crazy, he's not like me. He's a mean guy, man, he's just quiet. He just shares truth when it comes. And he, for some reason, can minister to my heart every time he opens his mouth. God's given him the power. Every time, it's just like, I know it's coming. Here it comes. Oh, snap. Bam! Blown away. That's power. I wouldn't be surprised if he has more treasure in heaven than me. Yeah, but Josh, he ministers so many. It's not about that. It's about where the heart's at. It's about being turned towards God and doing what he commands you to do day in and day out. Jeremiah did just that. We're going to look at a prophet that tries to come in, and I don't know what he's trying to do, snatch the glory. I don't know what he's trying to do exactly, be popular with the people, with the time. We're going to look at this guy that tries to be a prophet tonight, speaks the complete opposite of what Jeremiah says, and... uh, You know, some some interesting things go down. So we're in Jeremiah chapter 28. If you have your Bibles, I'm reading from the King James. Why? Because it's poetic, man. So I like the way it reads. It's good stuff. Um, I was even debating whether or not. I was thinking about going ESV here really soon, but I just can't do it, Captain. I don't have the power. Uh, (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 28, starting in verse 1. Are you there? And it came to pass the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, I'm sorry, Hananiah, yes, Hananiah, so I love the King James, actually got it broken down for you, how to enunciate. The son of Azer, the prophet, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and of all the people. Okay. So we're back in about, it's like 500 BC. This is a time period. And here comes this prophet in the company, or supposedly this prophet. It says, 
Hananiah, the son of Azer, the prophet, but he tries to be a prophet. You'll see what happens. Uh, He speaks to Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. So there they are in the house of the Lord and all the people are together. The priests, everyone's there. Okay. It's like if we come into the house of the Lord, Jeremiah is standing there, Hananiah is standing there. Here's all the people. There's the priests. Look what's about to happen. Verse 2, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Hananiah starts to speak. Hananiah, in the presence of who? Jeremiah, all the people and the priests. He says this, thus speak the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. He's speaking. He's speaking for God right now. Did you hear that? Hold on, we're going to stop right here. There are many people, I've covered this before, that try and speak in the name of God. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, really? You're about to speak for God right now. Careful. Careful. Remember, I talked about this before. What if you said, what if you're saying something on behalf of me, Josh Thompson? You come to somebody who says, Josh said this. Well, if I didn't say that and you're saying that for me, I'm going to be ticked. If you say something wrong that I said, supposedly, I'm going to come after you. I do it all the time. Somebody tells me, oh, Josh so-and-so said, uh, said you said this. Well, who said that? Who is that person? A lot of times people don't want to tell me. I'm not going to tell. I, gotta, I, have, to, I, have, to, uh, I have to guard them and protect them. I'm not going to tell you who said that. Well, wait a minute. They said something that I supposedly said to you, and it's a negative thing, and you're holding something against me now because I supposedly said something. You need to let me know who that person is. How about me, you, and that person will stand in company, and I'll ask that person, so what did I say? Go ahead. Tell them what I said. Tell them what I said again, loud and clear. I want to hear this. Gossip is such a sad thing in the church. You know that? When's the last time you ever gossiped something good about someone? Love to say bad things about people. Why? Well, because it tears them down and makes you look good. We love to do that. And we like to say things like this, huh? You know, I, I really shouldn't say this to you, but. You know, um, I, you know, it, it just, you, you kind of need to know this thing about them. Oh, really? Careful. Careful. Speaking in someone else's name, you better be right on. You better know what you're saying. You're going to be held accountable for that. I think it's one of the biggest sins in the church today. Sad. People being torn down all the time. And so when someone starts telling me something about someone else, I'll question him. Are you sure that's what they said? Because I'm going to go ask that person now what you just told me. No, no, no. Uh, you didn't say that exactly. He kind of said that. Well, wait a minute. You just tore him down in front of me, and now you don't want me to go and talk to them about that? That's gossip, man. Only tell people things if you are concerned. You're already praying for them, number one. And you are willing to go and talk it over with them anytime with anyone. It's the only time you can talk about someone. Did you hear that? Number one, you're praying for them. And number two, you're willing to confront them. Thus saith the Lord, oh, oh, snap, you better be ready. You're going to speak in the name of God. You better get it right word for word. You better not say the word it if God's not saying the word it. 
you better not say the word yeah if God's not saying the word yeah. You better get it right. You're speaking for God, man. You see people all the time on television. Thus saith the Lord. But going off. It's like, oh, really? If God said all that, man, okay. I'm going to trust you on that one. But if, hey, if it doesn't come to pass what you said, your blood is on your own head, man. There are people day and night doing this. You know this? I've heard pastors... I just heard of another friend who's getting married randomly out of nowhere. And I'm bummed. One of the brothers came up to me and said, so-and-so's getting married. I'm like, what? I didn't even know he has a girlfriend. The guy, they've only been together for you know a couple weeks or a few months or something like this. I'm like, oh, great. And I told the brother, I said, then you need to go to him and you need to basically... If you can stumble this thing, then stumble it. Let be broken what can be broken. Let fall what can fall. If it's God's will, they're going to get married. If it's part of God's plan, they're going to get married. Um, If it's not, then put a stumbling block in front of them. Challenge him. Have you prayed about this? How long have you been? Have you ever been in a fight with each other? Uh, Do you you even know what her favorite color is? Um, You know, I mean, what is the extent of your relationship? You know? The reason I bring that up is because a little while back before that, I remember um, a guy came up to me and said that a pastor told him, thus saith the Lord, that this is the person he's supposed to marry. Oh, you know. You know, huh? So, pastor, you know who I'm supposed to marry, and God doesn't told me who I'm supposed to marry. Uh, you're a stinking genius, man. You know... But I don't even know. You know, but I don't know. Interesting. So why are you getting married to them? Well, pastor told me so. Pastor told me this is the one I'm supposed to marry. You fool. You don't trust man. You trust God. And if God is speaking to you clearly in his word that this is not the will of God and not something you should be a part of, then what are you doing? Well, thus saith the Lord. People abuse this all the time in this day and age. They walk up to people and just say, thus saith the Lord this. And and, and people just believe them. They believe a lie. They believe whatever. You know, I could start a cult if I wanted to. You know that? I just start getting all loud and start walking up to people. I just be like, you know what? Rob, the Lord's leading me to tell you. This, 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 and you're going to be this, and you're going to be part of the church, and great things are going to happen, and you just go off and make up all this stuff. So that what? I will convince them to think what? Great things are going to happen for me if I follow after this guy. God has said so. Just go around doing that all over the place. Start speaking to people. Just start doing that. And before I know it, you've got to call it. Then I start saying things like, if you don't give, God's not going to bless you. So you need to give. And you know what? You want to know why God's not blessing you? Because you're not giving enough. So you need to give me some more money. Because I've got a Mercedes Benz to pay off, man. You better get busy. And you know what? God blesses me. Look at my life. I'm rich. God's blessed me. And so you need to give more to me so I'll be more blessed. And then I'll ask God to bless you. And that's how it works. Because thus saith the Lord. Careful. Careful. 
Now, I don't want to put that down too much because there has been brothers who have spoken to my life, thus saith the Lord, and powerful things have happened. But if you choose to open your mouth and say that you are speaking for God, you better be careful. That's only happened like maybe four times in my life where someone has come up and says, I have a specific word from God for you. They speak right into my situation, right into my life. They know things that they can't possibly know because I haven't told anyone. Powerful things have happened. I believe the Spirit is still active today as it was in the Apostles' days. God is moving. But you be careful if you start to talk for God, Hananiah. Here he goes. Verse 2, Thus speak the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. So he's speaking for God. God says, supposedly, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. With two years, with two full years, will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord. House that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon. Thus saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Okay, so what's happening here? The king of the king of Babylon, yes, is obviously ruling over the people at this time. And Jeremiah has been preaching that the people would repent. And Hananiah comes in and starts speaking for God. He, in front of, remember, who's he in front of? Jeremiah's there. The people and the priests are sitting there. Absolutely amazing. Can you imagine? The priests, the one who speak for God. The people who represent God. And Jeremiah the prophet is standing there. And Hananiah says, up, I have the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts. Check this. God is going to break the yoke of Babylon. What a great word, huh? The nation is in bondage to Babylon. Can you imagine being in slavery? Say if this group here, you've been slaves for years under a wicked king, slaving away. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the people there, in the midst of the priests, a man stands up and says, Thus saith the Lord. Now when a prophet of Israel says that, everybody's ears perk up. That's for sure. God's speaking. And then he says to the people, God's going to deliver you from Israel. I mean, from Babylon. He's going to set you free. What would all the people start doing? Oh my gosh. Yeah, everybody gets excited. I can't believe this. God's going to bless you. God's going to give you prosperity. God's going to do all this stuff for you. Look at this. He's speaking what the people want to hear. He's scratching their ears. You're going to be free from the... He says this in front of Jeremiah. When Jeremiah's like, what? Okay. It, is, it isn't what the, the, the fathers of old have said. But okay, you know, maybe God's doing something different. Look what happens. Verse 5, then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah, in the presence of the priests, in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord, he says this, even the prophet Jeremiah said, amen, the Lord do so. He's like agreeing. He's like, okay, amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house 
and all that carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Okay, so look. Now, I think the tone in Jeremiah's voice is not like, hey man, yeah, do this. Yeah, this is awesome. Do this thing. I think he's more like this. Okay, amen. Amen, you know. If it be the word of the Lord, then hey, bring the vessels in. Bring the people back. Set them free. Cause great things to happen. I don't think he's sitting there chanting and raving and cheering and all excited. He's saying, okay. It's a quick word for us. Listen. If some, listen. Don't be distracted by the people getting up or please stay with me. This is important. We need the word of God tonight. Not be distracted. If God comes into a place and supposedly even says something or doesn't say something, you are never, listen family, do not put down the word that is being spoken until there is brought forth this problem or this issue or this thing that is declared. Whether it be true or not be true, do not put down. Do not call out until you are sure. You better be careful. Because you as well who come forth to speak the truth of God supposedly and rebuke someone when God is doing a work, careful. It happens all the time as well. Someone will come up and say, God spoke to me in a dream and this is what he said. It's like, that's not true. You're lying. I don't believe you. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see that word there. Um, And so it can't be true. Absolutely not. Huh. Would you say that to Peter as he was sleeping there in the jail? And an angel comes and wakes him up and sets everything free. And he walks out and he goes and tells someone, an angel just thinks it set me free from that jail. You liar. Didn't happen. Careful. I'm not saying that God is going to bring forth new revelation. We have it right here. But praise God if he speaks to someone in a dream and they're impacted by it. That's a great thing. It's not a bummer. Why would you want to put down and snatch away the fruit that is happening in their life? What is wisdom is to do this. To take what God has done in their life and now bring it more towards Jesus and more towards the word of God. To shape it because you don't know if it's God speaking or them. Or the enemy. You're not sure. So you always point it back to Jesus. You always encourage them towards the word of God. A lot of people do that. They'll just smash people's worlds when something great has happened in their life. I mean, I'll tell you crazy things that have happened. Be it God or be it me, I don't know. But I felt like it was God. They're things that only I know. Like, there was a time when I was over off in the wood streets. I used to drive this, what was it, like an 89 Honda Accord, this black beater, okay, this thing was bad, right? used to break down all the time on me, all the time. It is the car that I think started to begin to teach me any kind of patience that I have today um, because I'd be driving, this is the thing, it, it had a fuel relay problem, which means that the fuel system would just cut out any time when I'm driving. So just be like, eh, bam, it's over, it's done. I'm just stopping right here. Like, no warning, you're done. Like, and then it wouldn't work. And I would literally just sit there and work on the car and change things and try to start it all this time. One time I was sitting over there on the wood streets by myself. I had to be somewhere. I'm like, oh God, it just, it stopped. I worked on it for hours. 
And I was just like, Father, why are you doing this to me? Please, I know you can start this thing, please. Nope, not that day. So I walked away from it, and that was the end of it. I came back the next day, and I'm like, okay, I either got to tow this thing or I'm going to you know, work on this. So I start working on it without any prayer. I'm just like, man, I got this. I know what needs to happen. I'm going to make this thing work. I start working on it, and uh, nope, it's not starting, and I start to sweat. It's getting hot outside. I start to get you know, irritated and, and just like, okay, this is just, I mean, bugging me. I got to get this car going. I got stuff to do. Just bugging me. And uh, all of a sudden, the Lord just taps me on the shoulder. He's like, you didn't pray today. Um, why, don't you, why don't you lift a prayer? I'm like, nah, I'm not going to. It's not going to work. I've been working on this for an hour trying to start over and over and over. It's not going to just start this one time because I pray a prayer. Oh. So I go and start to work on the car some more. It doesn't work. And eventually I'm brought to the end of myself. Okay, fine. You know, and so I sit down in the car and I put my head in the steering wheel. I'm just God. I'm sorry. I repent. I haven't brought this before you. Please, I, it just it'd really be a blessing if we start the car right now. I kid you not. I turn the key and the thing turns over just like that. I'm like, I get out of the car because I'm so excited. I do an all you can. I do a jump in the air like this. <laughs> yeah. There's a lady walking her kid in the stroller. She's looking at me like, what is going on over here? I was so fired up. If I would have walked to that lady and be like, man, God started that car right now. He started it for me. I prayed and he started it. She's like, you're crazy. You are a lunatic. I'm going to call 911 right now. But a lot of times we look at people in the church like that, you know? Be careful when you put down someone's word. I think Jeremiah is being wise here until he receives the word of the Lord, until it's confirmed, and he knows that he needs to step in and say something. And he will say something. But look what he's doing at first. He says, amen to it. He says, amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord in the house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. Verse 7. Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been before me, do you hear this? He says, I speak in thine ears and all the ears of the people. Verse 8, the prophets that have, that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and evil and of pestilence. Pestilence, I'm sorry. The prophet which prophesieth of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord has truly sent him. What is he saying? He's saying this. Look, a lot of prophets have prophesied in the past about great destruction and hard times and great things that would come. And the prophet that comes and prophesies peace, and when peace takes place, that is how we will know that this prophet is a true prophet of the Lord. So he's like, hey, Hananiah may very well be the prophet that has come to prophesy peace. He very well may well be. But there's been many who have prophesied against that and in a different way. And so he's like, okay, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And we will see if what this is true, what you say is true. And so, hey, I don't care who it is on the TV or where they're at in any church. Um, if someone stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, give him a chance. 
You walk up and say, you just said, thus saith the Lord, that this would happen. I'm going to write this down. And we're going to see if you're a true prophet of God. Because Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 13, says clearly that we are to test the prophets. You're not to believe anything that's told to you. Did you know that? Don't believe me. Don't trust me. You study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. You rightly divide the word of truth. Be a Berean. Be one who knows why they believe what they believe and challenges what they are told. I think it's the greatest thing when I see Christians challenging the truth, challenging what's being said. That's a good believer. That's a true Christian, one who studies. And so if someone stands up, challenge them. It's good. Okay, you just prophesied that this is going to happen. I'm going to hold you to it. Might freak them out a little bit. What? Huh? Well, you just said, thus saith the Lord, right? Yeah. Okay, then you just said God was going to do something, so I'm going to hold you to it. Look at verse 10. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. Did you hear that? What's the setting again? Jeremiah standing there, Hananiah standing here, the priests are right there, and then all the people are standing there. Hananiah stands up, the people are going to be free from the king of Babylon. Jeremiah says, okay, amen. We will know if this is a prophet of the Lord, if peace comes. Then after Jeremiah says that, Hananiah walks over to a wooden yoke. Now a yoke is what? It's what you place over oxen to uh, to steer these guys. Like in plowing a field, it's like if I had two oxen in front of me. It's this big wood piece that would go over the backs of them. And then I have this kind of little steering, you know, something that would that would really control these guys okay the the oxen to go left to go right and to really plow the field it's got this big stake that would go in the round the oxen would move forward and the stake would dig holes in the ground straight lines okay and you can control the oxen with the yoke so there's a wooden yoke for some reason around jeremiah's neck don't know what that was representing or why it was there but hananiah walks over in the presence of the priests in the presence of the people and after what Jeremiah says, walks up and breaks the yoke, whatever it is, this wood around his neck, breaks it, saying what? Look what Hananiah says as he breaks it. Verse 11, Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Do you see that? So he walks up, he breaks the yoke, and then he says, in the span of two years, God will break the yoke that king, the king of Babylon has over the nation. And Jeremiah just walks away after that. Interesting. He doesn't say a word. It's like if I was Jeremiah, here's Hananiah. He says this word of peace, and then I say my word. Then I have this yoke on my neck, and, and he walks over, he breaks the yoke, and then says, God will break the yoke that is on the nation that the king of Babylon has on. And then I just get up and walk up out of the room. No response. Interesting. What's going on here? He steps out to make a... Uh, Hananiah steps out to make this scene, to almost bring forth... The truth. You know, a lot of times uh, God does use this kind of stuff. He does use uh, some type of 
symbol or some type of illustration to show what he's about to do. But I can see even the false prophet doing things like this to try to show that things are true. Um, have any, has any of you ever seen Leap of Faith? Steve Martin? It's hilarious. Um, I, I saw it so long ago, and it was probably in my heathen days, so I don't know if it's a good movie to go and watch. Um, it might be clean. Uh, check the rating on it. Um, but I remember Steve Martin, he's this this movie called Leap of Faith. He's a pastor, or supposedly this preacher that travels around and sets up these big tent meetings, and they, it's their miracle services. And uh, he supposedly, it's, it, it's so hilarious because what happens is they set up these giant tents and they say, there's going to be a miracle meeting. There's going to be a miracle meeting. Go and get all your people. And they go and they growly up the whole town and they bring the town into this tent. And then they say that great miracles are going to happen. God's going to heal people. Okay. As people walk in, they'll be like, oh, here you go. Just go ahead and sit down in this wheelchair. We'll roll you up to the front. Come on. Go ahead. There you go. Sit down in the wheelchair. They roll them up to the front. They give people crutches, you know, to like come in on. Yeah, these, these, these are comfortable. You should try these out. These, these will work great. Kind of help out your leg and stuff. And so people will come in with crutches. People will come in with wheelchairs. And just uh, it's hilarious. Okay. And uh, Steve Martin will do this full uh, dance on the stage and this full preaching thing and all this. And he'll do whatever it takes to get these people right up. And then he'll see somebody in a wheelchair and be like, in the name of Jesus, stand up. You know, and they'll stand up. But they, they gave him a wheelchair when they came in, you know. And so it's like they stand up and everybody's just like, ah, you know. And so the energy just starts getting crazy in this thing. Well, there towards the end of the movie, I remember he did this thing where he took a cross and he put glow-in-the-dark marker on, on the back of this cross, and he put it in a bag. I mean, he saturated it in this stuff, and he put it in his pocket, okay? And he's like, man, during his service, like, man, God's going to do something great here. You know, he's going he's to show us a sign. There's going to be a cross on somebody's forehead. It's going to let us know that this is the word of the Lord. He says something like this. I don't remember completely. It's been so long. And so he reaches into his pocket as this woman comes up to pray, and he pulls it out, and he just slams his hand on her forehead. <laughs> He's like, bam. He pushes this cross in, like, you know, hard, as hard as he can. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you know, pulls it off. And then all of a sudden, the lights go out, and uh, there's this cross on this lady's forehead. And everybody's just like, oh, my gosh. It's the sign. Everybody's going nuts. And he's like, you see, it's a sign. All of you need to give money. Come on, give money, because God wants to bless you. And he just rakes in the cash. I mean, he does whatever it takes. He breaks the yoke. He does whatever it takes to open the people's eyes. He gives a great illustration. He gives a great story that will speak to people to open their eyes, supposedly, to deceive them from the truth. Hey, just because someone walks up and says something powerful doesn't mean it's true. Did you know that? You think of the great things that people say. It's like you could... It's kind of like the way you, you ever talk to a dog. You can say negative things to a dog, but you say it in a different voice, and they just, like, love you. Oh, you're so ugly. <laughs> oh, come here, ugly. Come here. Come here, ugly. You know, just like, ha, ha, ha. You know, you, you can say it in whatever tone you want, and it, they seem to receive it because they don't know what you're saying. It's sometimes the same in the church. Just because somebody gets fired up and starts saying something, people don't listen. They start clapping like, yeah, yeah, that, that's great. That's great. It's like, yeah, did you see that illustration? It was so cool. What do you do with this? Yeah, he said, you know, that God's going to set the nation free. And then he took the yoke and he broke it. He took it from the prophet and broke it. Wow, what a peril for testament. That's great stuff. Careful. Careful. Don't get caught up in emotion and feelings. You want to think straight and narrow. 
Now, hey, God has created us with feeling and emotion, so that is a part of it. But you don't want to be ran by your emotions and ran by your feelings. Because then, hey, when you feel like going to church, you'll go. When you feel like someone's speaking the truth, hey, it's the truth. No, 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 we don't do that. We stick to the Word of God. The Word of God declares us to go to church and be faithful to fellowshipping with people. And so we have to, and we need to. And if someone says something, I don't care how fired up they get, they say something that is contrary to the word of God, it's wrong. And that's what Hananiah is doing here. And Jeremiah just walks out of the room. Look at verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Are you there? The prophet. After Hananiah, the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet. God says this to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord comes to him. Look at this. Go tell Hananiah, saying, Tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. And I have given him the beasts of the field also. Stop there. Did you see that? God speaks to Jeremiah. He walks away and God speaks to him. Go tell Hananiah that I, the Lord God, have put an iron yoke on the people. Can you imagine? Who put this iron yoke? Who put, who put these people into slavery? Who did this? God. God says clearly there, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations. Well, there you go. Interesting. God allowed his people to go into slavery because they rebelled against him. Do you know any nation that's rebelling against God right now? I do. We're living in it, man. We are a nation that have forsaken the living God. You know what we do day and night? We pleasure ourselves. We do everything that we want, when we want it, and how we want it. Day and night, we forsake the commands of God. We live like there is no God. Look at this nation. This nation is completely... No, we're a Christian nation, Josh. No, we're not. A Christian nation would be one that obeys the commands of God. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Jesus said, you are my friend if you do these things that I command you. I don't care if you walk up during the Grammys and say, Jesus is my homeboy. No, he's not. Because you don't obey his commands. Just want to thank God for this. Well, he's not stoked about the way you're living. America is not a Christian nation. We have forsaken the living God. We do not obey his commands. We do not walk according to obedience. How do you identify if you're a Christian? It's pretty easy. Do you love him? Yeah, I love him. Do you obey his commands? No. You're probably not a Christian. You don't obey the commands of God. Jesus said, you're my friend if you obey the commands that I tell you. If you say that you love him, if you say you walk in righteousness, if you say you walk in the light and you walk in darkness, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. And that is what God is saying to this nation. Do you know that? You all say that you're in the light. You all say that you're not in darkness. But you're a liar and the truth is not in you. For look at your actions. 
you are kicking me out of the schools. You're kicking me out of the family. You're kicking me out of everywhere. You do not want me here. We need to wake up and understand this. Why? Because God may very well send this nation into slavery. God would never do that. He did it to his people in the Bible many times. Yeah, but Jesus came and died for our sins. Okay. Jesus died for their sins as well. They have forsaken the living God and they are turning from him. And wrath will pour out upon the earth in Revelation when the nations turn from him then as well. God is the same God. And he has already given us the answer. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, turn from the wicked ways and seek my face, I'll heal their land. But his people do not want to do that, and so he will not heal the land. God has put the yoke of iron upon that nation. God did it. And I'm telling you that God will allow this nation to fall to the ground if that's what it takes to start revival here. Look at China. We praise God for the great things that are happening in China, but they are in communism. They have no rights. Is that what it takes for this nation to open their eyes? Shall we go to communism? Socialism? What will it take? Persecution in the church is what lights the people up. It's what opens our eyes. It may happen very quickly. It happened there. And the people did eventually repent. Remember Egypt? God did it there too. It's amazing. Why did God let the Jews go with Hitler? That's his people, man. It's amazing what God allows to happen. Why wouldn't he let it happen to our nation? There is a yoke of iron upon these people. And Jeremiah is to go tell Hananiah to his face. This is what the Lord says. And that's a word for us. If someone does say something that is contrary to the word, we need to tell the truth. We need to be honest. You need to be honest with your friends. Did you know that? If they're living in a way or they're proclaiming things or walking in certain ways, you've got to be honest with them. Do you love them? Do you have a burden for them? Now, there is a certain way of doing it, isn't there? If you walk up and be a jerk, you're misrepresenting God because God's not a jerk. It's amazing how two people could say the exact same thing to someone and people receive it from one person, but they don't receive it from the other. We are to represent God correctly if we're going to speak on his behalf and correct someone. I've learned this over time. That there is a special way to rebuke people and talk to them and minister to them. And if I'm not there to minister and to build up and encourage, then I shouldn't be opening my mouth, period. If I'm there to cut down and show wrong, I'm in the wrong. I remember my buddy Christian said a profound statement when I was in Israel. So I was living there. The lady who we lived with, even though she believed in Jesus, she was trying to get us to keep kosher and keep uh, all the laws of the Old Testament. And um, I was just like, absolutely not. We're not going to keep law. And I was just getting ticked. Because she was just bringing it on us. I mean, just constantly, like, we were just nagging us, just on us and on us and on. And I was showing her the scriptures. Romans chapter 7 is clear that we've been freed from the law. It is absolutely clear. And I started to become rude to her. 
And, um, and it was bad, man. I, I really messed up. I just, I was being a jerk. I really was because I wanted to get my point across. My buddy Christian pulled me aside and he said, Josh, even if you're right, if you're rude, you're wrong. If you're rude, you are wrong every single time. It's true. Even if you're right, you're wrong because you do not do it in love. You do not do it with tact, and no one can receive from you. And I was like, oh, Father, I wish Nancy could have received from me that day. But because I did it without love, she could not receive. Shame on me. When we, we are to go and rebuke, and we are go to go and tell the truth, as Jeremiah is going to, but there is a tactful way to do that. Don't misrepresent God especially if he's told you to do something. Speak the truth in love. Look at verse 15. Here he goes. Here goes Jeremiah. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah. The Lord has not sent thee. Wow. You see that? He says to him straight up, The Lord has not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust a lie. And I wrote, oh, snap, in the margin right there. Can you write that in your Bible? Yeah, why not? It's not holy, Josh. Okay. The Lord has not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. You know that there are many people in this day and age helping the people to trust in a lie. And that is big time danger. You know, there are churches compromising the truth of God in order to get more people to come to their church. You know that? Do you know there are people that are doing certain things to try to attract people in order to grow their church? I don't know why, but even when I was back in New York two weeks ago, I'm sitting there talking to this guy. Let's see if I can remember his name. I think it was Daniel. And I'm looking him in the face. I said, oh, it's Sean. I think it's Sean. That's it. I said, Sean. He's like, I want to do great things here in New York, man. I want to see Jesus come and just do a powerful work here. I want to see people lift up, raise up. I said, the secret, let me tell you. I'm telling you the secret. The secret is teaching the word of God. Yeah, man, but, you know, it's like we're going to pray and, like, the Spirit's going to come and, like, great things are going to happen. I'm telling you, you need to start a Bible study and you need to teach systematically through the Bible. You need to get some commentaries to educate yourself. You need to get on your face and seek God about what you would say to the people. And just teach. Just, don't, don't add anything. Just teach right from the Word. Just teach what it tells you. Just pull from the text, communicate effectively to the people, and great things will happen. People's lives will be changed. Yeah, man, but you know, like, we're going we're gonna to bring in, like, this band, like, great things are going to, and, like, the Spirit's going to come, and, you know, we're just going to keep praying for people, and oh, it's going to be awesome. I told him six times. I counted. And he, he couldn't receive it. He didn't get it. It wasn't clicking. He thought that there was some other thing that was going to really make things happen and help people's lives to be changed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The truth is the only thing that can set you free. 
And there are churches doing that everywhere today. Do you know that? The truth will set you free. People ask us all the time. I get to teach the college study over Harvest on Friday nights. It's like 400 kids there. And I'm telling you, I don't know how they take the blows week after week that I give off that pulpit. I mean, I come out swinging, man. It's like I'm going to drop kick this group so bad, they're not going to want to come back next week. We need to shrink this study. There's too many people here. We need to shepherd over these people. We need to get all these people who aren't Christians out of here. And week after week, they just get fired up, man. Just like, give us more. We will. Res- we want the truth. We're sick of people watering it down. We're sick of people not telling us what the Word of God says. Give us the truth. And there's lives being changed. There was an atheist like three weeks ago, I think I told you guys about that, came up to me and said, I heard the Word. I heard the truth. Um, my whole family's atheist. And somebody's been ministering to me for three years, and I've accepted Jesus Christ tonight. Praise God for that. That's the work of Jesus. That's the work of the king. What's your secret? How'd you do that, Joshua? That's incredible. Um, just taught the word. No, you didn't. No, the spirit came and like some crazy happening. No, 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 no. Um, I just said what this says. That's what happened. Jeremiah states the word of the Lord clearly. He does not back down. And he does completely opposite of what Hananiah just did. Hananiah told the people a lie to get them to follow him. You see that? Peace is going to break out. Prosperity. You're going to be rich. Great things are going to happen. Spirit's going to move. He pumped him up. He got him excited. But there is no truth in what he was saying. Look at the repercussions for this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, since you have done this, behold, God speaking through Jeremiah's lips, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth, and this year you will die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. Do you see that? God's dead serious when people talk about him, huh? God doesn't mess around. God took this man's life. Game over. You're not playing anymore. You have lied to the people. And that is why I warn against, I warn you, and I warn the churches of this day. If you know a church or you know a pastor, you better be very clear with them. Do not teach from the Bible that which is not in the Bible. And don't you dare not say what is in the Bible when you're teaching through it. Don't you skip over things because you want to dodge sin. Don't you skip over topics because you don't want to talk about it. And don't you dare start saying more than what the text is saying. Just preach the word, man. Just teach what God is saying. They're straight in his word. Don't lie to the people to get them to get all fired up for you and excited and want to come back to your church. Because you will stand before God one day and have to testify the truth. I have to say this to you because there's going to be a lot of families raised up in this group and you will take your family to a church one day. You need to be careful. You need to make sure they're teaching the word of God. Don't go to a church because it's flashy and cool. It ain't about that. You brothers, guys in here, you will be held accountable for your family. Did you know that? 
You are the priest of your family. You are to shepherd over your family. You are to lead them to the right place. You'll be held accountable for that. There's a place there in the New Testament that God says he will not even hear the prayers of a man because of the way he's treating his wife. Wow. God takes it seriously. Our leadership in the home. And so brothers and girls, please as well, you need to find a man that's going to lead you, hey, to the promised land. He's going to take you into the truth. Not going to compromise the faith whatsoever. Could spot a preacher who's not preaching the truth from a mile away. Is ready to receive that. Honestly sees it. Now again, if you come across someone who's claiming to be a prophet, it's good to approach them. It's okay to approach them. Do it in love. Do it with right manner. Jeremiah, does it say that he got ticked off and angry and ripped his clothes and got in the guy's face and screamed at him? Nope. We need to be very careful with the way that we approach it. We only see Jesus getting angry a couple times in the New Testament. And when he does it, it is perfect and precise, isn't it? It's, he's not a crazy, he's not a lunatic walking around. The picture of perfect anger is not when your dad gets mad. That's not it. And is upset at you because you did something wrong. That's not perfect anger. That's not perfect justice. It is meekness. It is strength under control, a precise dealing with. And so we are to do the same when we deal with prophets in this day who are supposed prophets, not proclaiming the truth. We are to pr- approach them and speak to them as best we can. And if they don't receive it, hey, the blood is not on your hands anymore. You have spoke the truth. But don't speak the truth until you get the word of the Lord like Jeremiah. Recognize where God is leading. Amen? Hey, we've got to make a stand in this generation. We're going to lose the race. There's so many churches compromising the church. That upsets me. Uh, I'm going to fight against it as best I can. I'm going to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ till the day that I die. I have to never compromise from the word of God. And if you ever see me compromising, then please open my eyes to see that I might receive the truth and walk in it. It's your responsibility as a church. It's your responsibility as a people. Amen? Amen. Don't be scared to rebuke the, the teacher. That's a sad day, isn't it? You can't speak the truth to the teacher. And you see teachers. I've seen teachers in churches that can't even teach. It's like somebody needs to go and tell him, you are not a teacher. You are an excellent pastor. You love the people. You are not a teacher. Some, some people need to walk up to the teacher and say, you're a terrible pastor. But you're a great teacher. You need to shepherd over the people. We need to be honest with one another. God will do great things in our generation. Amen? Can I pray? God, I thank you for this group, and I thank you for the work that you're doing here tonight. And I pray for this group that you would continue to minister and bless them in their life, and that great things would happen. God, that you would open their eyes to follow the truth and to seek it, that you would open their hearts to recognize truth and identify truth, that the Spirit would speak through them and to them as they approach people that the Spirit would speak to them when they hear truth and know it and understand it. Help them to wash their minds in the Word of God so they'd be transformed and that the Word of God would flow from their life so they could recognize and discern very quickly when something is not the truth. 
as Jeremiah walked out of the room not saying anything, but went and listened to the word of the Lord, came back and spoke truth. Lord, let us not be deceived. There's so many trying to cut down this church, so many trying to cut down people and mess up the church. We pray that you would strengthen and that you would bless, you'd have your hand upon. And I pray for this nation, God, that we would turn our face back towards you. And you say, Joshua, then get the people to turn towards me. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. And so, God, we hear your voice. We choose to humble ourselves and turn, turn from the wickedness, repent. We choose to start seeking your face, turning from our wicked ways, praying to you daily. Please encourage them, Lord, help them as they go. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.